Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ryan Brooks, the brewer from South Norte Beer Company. You're listening to the Emo Brown Podcast, the saddest Mexican. This podcast is sponsored by South Norte Beer Company. You're listening to the Emo Brown, the saddest Mexican podcast. I teach a lot of people. That's my, favorite, that's my favorite. Maybe my favorite thing to do in the industry is teach. Brian Brooks. <laughs> Ryan Brooks. El Güero. Simon. El Güero Pesado. Ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the Emo Brown Podcast, The Saddest Mexican. And today, we have a sad Mexican with us in the human form of a white guy. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Brooks. Long time Coronado Master Brewer? Uh, head brewer. Sure. Head brewer. And now, owner-operator of? South Norte Brewing Ese Company. Way. Dude, it's awesome to like sit down and, and, and chill and, and have a beer with you while I'm having a seltzer. And I'll ask you about how you feel about seltzers a little bit later. But for the longest time, you've been the the backbone, the go-to. There's a couple of guys in the South Bay that, that, that I turn to if I have a question or I have anything to it's you. And it's Paul Segura. Mm-hmm. So... Thank you for taking time to hang out with us. Thank you for taking time to like walk us through making certain styles of beers. Just kind of being a mentor, a big brother. Ryan Brooks. I love it. Welcome to the podcast, Thank bro. Thank you. Salutita. Cheers. Cheers. Salut. I'm having a fucking seltzer, bro. Nothing wrong with that. What are you all about? What got you into this industry? Well, I'm all about beer, man. Beer, beer, beer. I got into it at a ripe old age, I think about 26, because of playing music in different countries and mm. getting to like understand what bro a, you were a in British. a band yeah bro what was the name of your band that one that I first went out to tour with in, in Europe was First Blood First I was Blood. a I was a band-aid called brewer. Rambo yeah yeah exactly Rambo First so First Blood was a hardcore band a hardcore straight edge band and I was the guy that didn't it wasn't straight edge you weren't the straight no, edge guy I was a drummer they had to they had to I was the band-aid guy El they need to find a drummer I, I filled the spot Learned the songs and toured Europe, Japan, U.S., Canada, Mexico. How long was that venture? Uh, I mean, the Europe tour was seven weeks. All right. It's crazy. Woo! Long time. Best time of your life? Uh, at times, yeah. It's yeah. long, though, man. It's seven weeks when you're, when you're that young and all your friends are partying at, you know, your mid-20s. You want to be home. I missed out a lot of birthdays, f- parties, and fun things. You but better like the people you're touring with, too. That's a problem. You know, being in a straight edge band, those guys didn't want to do the same things I wanted to do. Fuck. Straight edge for people who do not know deals with no drinking, no drugs, and no effing. Effing. That's fine. I didn't need to go there to f to fuck. Like, I ah, just... perdón. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't, don't drink, don't smoke, don't fuck. Damn. So everything of, you join a band to do these things, yet you joined a band that were completely against doing all of those things. Yeah, but I respected it. At one point between 16 and 20, I was straight edge. And then I got beer in my life at 20, just after 20. And I thought, oh, this is way better than being. Straight edge. So you were in a band, First Blood, for how long? That was only about a, a year and a half. But I mean, your whole musical career? 
Oh, I started out when I was 12 years old. Nice. I played sixth grade fun day live at the Boys and Girls Club in front of all my sixth grade class. Nice. Just four songs, two covers, two originals. And then that set the, the worst uh, decision I could ever made in my life, which was play music instead of going to school. But fuck school, bro. <laughs> Tell me you didn't learn more about life being uh, a band. I learned a shitload of my life, but I didn't learn about business or math. And I still can't. Oh, you don't join a band to learn about business. You learn a little bit. I, mean, you, it's, I it's, feel like people who join bands... Don't learn learn dick about running a business. Like I was in a band, I didn't know anything at all. Well, I, I was the asshole because I was the old older one of you know. Say I was eighteen, everyone else was seventeen, sixteen, and then one was fifteen at the time. As soon as I was at graduated high school, like we're going on tour, and I had to book the shows. I had to get the van. I had to have my dad help insure the van because I didn't have any money. Uh, make sure it was up to up to snuff and and safe. And we hit the road, and it broke down on day number two. Oh, so I, I learned a lot of business stuff and what not to do. Were you homebrewing during these times? No, or? I didn't homebrew until I was in my late tw- early or mid twenties, late twenties, like twenty five, twenty six. Because of that, I went to Europe, loved good beer, came home, found about sto- found out about stone brewing, and it was so expensive at the time. I'm like, dang, I, I can't afford this. So I better learn how to make it myself. And I bought a brewing magazine and brewing book dude that's like the main um motivation behind a lot of people that i know who started brewing uh we started brewing in 1998 and it was the world cup the french world cup and were we old enough to drink we weren't old enough to drink yet so we started home brewing we we, we would go to a place called santa fe meats and we'd get a bunch of meat and we'd buy uh, we would buy heinekens and, yeah, and, and we were fancy, underage, yeah. whatever and we would come back hang out in the jacuzzi watch the french world cup and be like yeah this is awesome and then we we're like you know what why don't we make our own beer and that's how we kind of started you know that's just right. kind of like home brewing whatever whoop do and doing that but people will start home brewing and then stop home brewing yeah what kept you going to want to take uh, it to that next level i think level? it was that was a it was a peak i was i was old enough where I was responsible enough to like say, hey, uh, I need to keep doing this because it's something I like to do. And then there might be an opportunity to work in this industry. And it was right when Black Market Brewing in Temecula was opening up. I was living in Fallbrook. It was only a 15, 20 minute drive north. I lurked them every day on their website, seeing when they were going to come. There was no websites back then. (laughs) And I was actually, you worked for UPS. I worked for UPS Ground. Mm -hmm. So I was driving from Fallbrook to Riverside, grabbed the truck, bring it all the way back down to Temecula, run the route for eight hours, drive it all the way back to Riverside, and then drive all the way back to Fallbrook. So you worked at UPS? No, FedEx. Ground. Yeah, it was terrible. But I would always stop and deliver right next to Black Market Brewing. I'd always peek in there. What's going on in there, guys? Are you guys getting close to starting? You guys brewing any hands? I think I, I (laughs) I annoyed him so much. He's like, dude, just come and scrub kegs, scrub the floor, whatever. And I'd bring him my home brews at the time, and he'd tell me, oh, this is terrible. This is good. This is mediocre. This is great. Kind of gave me feedback to where I just kind of honed in that homebrew thing. Dude, you're the one that gives the feedback now. What? Like, we've given you beer. I'm sure everyone else in San Diego brings you beer. Brian Brooks, you're probably what? You're Mr. Modest, but you're a top three brewer in San Diego. Uh, top five I'll brewers. give you a top 20. Shut <laughs> up, bro. Um, but I'm a national BJCP judge. That's which what I, I, that's what I, yeah. I really, As soon as I started homebrewing, I was diving right into the BJC program. So I knew about styles. I knew about off flavors. I knew how to fix Please those things. Please explain to the people at home what the, BJCP the is. Brewer, <laughs> the beer... Certification, no, beer judge, BJCP, beer judge certification program. I should know that fast. And then pinche chicharron, cicerón. So chicharron. I have both of those things where I think are Is that an important. accolade? Like a super high accolade getting the BJCP fucking? Uh, the, the national one? Is, yeah. Yeah, it kind of, it, it takes time. Do you want to know how I know it's a huge accomplishment in Did your you life? Did you try it? No, 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 no. I know it's a huge accomplishment in your life 
Because any tap opportunity you get, you pull out that card, bro. Well, dude, it, it takes, I don't know very many people that Go are ahead. national. Go ahead. Uh, it, it takes years. You don't just like take a test and then yep. take a, te- uh, a written test and a tasting test and get it. I mean, I've taken the written probably four times and the tasting, no, sorry, written three, tasting five. And every time it's like it's gone up a little bit and sometimes it's gone down, but it's always gone up. And it's, 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 it's really a good test of someone's palate and how they're dedicated to, to respecting the program of judging beer the correct way. Beer is a crazy industry, bro. It's very weird. It's a crazy industry. Now, more than ever, we yeah. were just talking before yep. the, the fucking the, the, the podcast that you feel you're like a veteran at 12 years, man. You've been in this game for 12 years and you still don't feel like it's no. enough. And we were just, before this, we said, looking at different job applications. Oh, There's you, a lot of you, them. you need to be in the industry for two years, three years, five years. I'm like, shit, I've got more than double that. Yeah. And I, I don't have enough. Was like, that always your goal? Obviously, it's every home brewer's dream. Every home brewer's like wish that one day I'm going to have my own brewery. Was no. that your goal from the get? No way. I knew how much how difficult it was. I watched the guy from Andy from Black Market do it, and uh, he scraped and was using pe- uh, like garden hose to run glycol lines through his tanks. Just everything on a budget, PVC pipe and janky solenoids. Um, putting down the the um, the coating on the floor was just like that Home Depot. The epoxy. Yeah, we spread the flakes your fingers. Everything was on a budget, and and he struggled, but he had a good palate and he had a good mindset of everything has to be quality i mean obviously you can still make great beer on shitty equipment but i thought i saw that i'm like there's never i would never want to do this common misconception in the brewing industry is if you open a brewery you're gonna be rolling in the dough or you can make the beers you want to make oh that was that that's so gone that was stone's motto we're gonna make beer that we want to drink everyone thought that was like the thing and they pulled it off for a minute yeah, it but, was good. That arrogant bastard ale is their namesake. Still levitation, I I missed that. I uh-huh. missed the smoke porter. There's still is that one of the uh, breweries that kind of like influenced you and everything you did. Yeah, yeah, I remember as soon as they moved over to the new spot, that was right when I was kind of getting into it. Uh, I guess 2006, 2007, and I'd go to that tasting room thinking, "Holy moly, this is not like any other." You know, it's a big restaurant. It's huge. It's beautiful. Huge. You're looking at the brew house. I'm like, wow, craft beer can be this sexy and big. Like yeah, I want I want into this. It's got that allure, dude. Yeah, all the stainless steels. You, you. Before I had the brewery, I would go out and visit breweries. You know, you know. Mm-hmm. You you have that Brewers Guild uh, map, and you Fuck try to no, bro. Do all I that just, stuff. We just would go out. <laughs> we would just go out to North County and everywhere else. And anytime I would walk into the brewery, I'd be like, ah, oh. it was awesome. It was like going to an amusement park. You know, it was like it was what I wanted to do. You know, well, backtracking more, my first brewery that I ever visited. Um, not visited, but actually like visited and, and, and took a took time to pay attention to what was going on was Pacifico in Mazatlan. No wifey, way. Yeah, bro. Wifey and I went down there and uh, be, I think it was like our one year anniversary. We took a, a trip down to Mazatlan and I said, you know what? Let's go to let's go to Pacifico. Let, let, let's see what's going on. So I was like, what? 25, 26. I didn't know you could tour it. Yeah. Well, shit. Yeah. Yeah, we could because we went we went into dude, we went into the bowels of the fucking brewery. We went in out all around got tastings we were dressed like Laverne and Shirley because it's a full fucking fledged production brewery it's Mazatlan well, it's, like it's Pacifico hairnet everything bro feet guard it was like we were fucking escorting President Trump post-COVID back to the White House bro <laughs> we were in like hazmat suits it was everything it, it was it was rad and and I saw it and I remember at that moment I was told I was like whoa I want to do this like this is what I want to do and at that point like I said we had already been home brewing um, it was fun it, for me it was just like a hobby I've been one of those weenies that's like been, <coughs> excuse me, into a lot of things. 
Like I was in a band. Bro, did you know I was in a band? Did I heard. I was in a band. I thought we were supposed to start one at some point. <laughs> we were in a band and like um, came to the point where it's like, what am I going to do? Shit or get off the pot? And I was like, all right, if we're not making enough money to sustain a life, lifestyle of being in a band, I'm going to leave. You know, I, I'm pretty sure you and I have two different um, reasons on being in a band. You know, I did it because I wanted to drink. I wanted to like ex- do everything that is associated with the band. And obviously you were. No, I was like trying to just be like. Just when you sit back behind that monitor and you hit your kick drum and you feel that punch and you watch the kids sing along and stage dive, you're like, oh, this is so sick. There's there's some similarities between being in a band and being like the head brewer of a brewery. Like you have every you right off the get, you have everybody's attention. Like when you're in a band, all eyes on you. Sure. You're on stage, even like you said, you're doing a sound check, you're testing your gear, you're checking the snare, they're snacking, checking the, the the toms, the floor tom. Bah, bah, boom, boom, you boom, feel boom. it. Everyone's just like watching you, like, oh, what's he gonna do? Oh my god! Mm-hmm. And then it's like you start playing, and boom. Being the head brewer of a brewery, I feel like you're like you're like that monkey at the zoo behind the plexiglass, behind that that, that yeah, glass. In a way. Everyone walks in, and it's like, oh look, the brewer is here. What's he doing? Oh, fuck, he's drinking. Oh, that's rad. I wonder what he's brewing. You know, it's like, I feel like, especially in San Diego, because that's the only one I can speak experience to about being in a brewery. Um, a lot of musicians transition from being in bands into being in this brewing yeah. industry, you know? Yeah, there, I've, I've definitely met a few people, and the, the bigger that this industry gets, the more people I've, I've figured out, oh, wow, you, you used to be playing this band or you used to go to these shows. It, it is kind of a small community. It's, I think it's like, it's that underground punk rock mentality. It's weird. It is weird, but it's, it's kind of cool. Like, it's I mean, really cool. We were hearing some guys say a real cool thing. Like when if you're playing and you're trying to impress and you feel nervous, then that's wrong. Yeah. You, you're supposed to be doing it for yourself. Yeah. Like I made beer because that's what I love to do. I love the flavors I was making. I was playing music because I love to f- play heavy, fast music. And that's what I wanted to hear. So, so. you were at FedEx annoying black market brewing up in Temecula yep. to the point where they allowed you to come in, scrub kegs, wash kegs, do deliveries, you know, do, do sales, all the, do all the gopher shit. Yep. Go for this, go for that. So you had the job there. Yep. Two and a half years doing that. Damn. What'd yeah. you learn and where did you go from there? Uh, I learned a lot about how it's not just about making beer and a lot of it is cleaning. A lot of it is prepping. A lot of it is sales and delivery you know sale if you don't sell beer we didn't have a tasting room at that point the first two years they didn't have a tasting room this is before that was cool before that was even really legal the first thing they would do is taking bags of grain and putting it on the kegs just like lost abby is doing they're copying that so i i, I learned a lot about just like you have to make this you know, to make money like, common misconception number two about being in the brewing industry when you're the head brewer it's all rock star and glamorous the glitz the glamour Everything. No, you're a janitor. You're mm-hmm. a glorified janitor. Eighty yep. percent of the time, you're cleaning, you're scrubbing, you're making sure everything is free of infection and completely sanitized and ready for the next brew. Or you're cleaning the brewery for any kind of public people going there. I was told to, you know, scrub the toilets. No problem. Done. Damn. Scru- scrub the floor so when we come in, it doesn't look and stink. And there's no flies. And you know, bleach water and a mop. People are in love with the idea of what they perceive to be a head brewer. And don't get me wrong, being a head brewer is the most important part of operating a brewery. You know, like you I think everybody I think everybody needs to start off as as starting as a low point. You know, I've worked the way up. And so head brewer at one point was just like, Oh, I'm making a beer or I'm making my own recipe. Then, you know, five, seven years later, oh, I'm flying out to to Germany or New Zealand to go select hops. So it, it it doesn't happen overnight and the 
better and more humble you are at doing your job the right way of cleaning and doing the shit work allows you hopefully to reap the benefits yeah. of enjoying these flights yeah. and visiting the fun of it. countries and states and, mm-hmm. and award ceremonies and, sure. and everything festivals. Um, here personally, I mean, like we, I, we were talking about it earlier. It's like, I was, was a home brewer, you know, and I, we didn't open this brewery brewery with the mentality of myself being the head brewer. I was always going to be like the, the business development, the marketing. I have that brewing background. It's very important. It's knowing that now, it's like, fuck, man. Having a brewery is 10% making beer and 90% everything else. Yep. Especially and, now. And everything else is is what keeps your brewery alive. Yep. You know? Um, And, and I was telling you, it's like, I, I need to learn how to brew in our system. I know how to brew in our pilot system. I know how to make beer. I just don't know how to make it at a professional level. I've never tried. I don't want to try, but I feel like. I've been a keg washer. I've been a salesperson in the brewery. You know, it's like I've done all of the things except make the beer in our brewery. My goal, honestly, moving forward within, because I've set a lot of goals now for myself. And my goal moving forward is to actually, you know, start brewing. Kevin's not here. Kevin's not feeling good. Okay, I jump in. Boom, boom, boom. You know, we don't skip a beat. We keep the ball moving. I'm going to fucking tab you on the shoulder and be like, yo, bro, T. Yes, tiempo, viejo. I mean, (laughs) I, I need you to, like, teach me how to turn what I do on the brew magic and how to parlay it into make it in on the Which, largest scale. Which honestly is pretty doable. That when I got my when after I left Black Market for two and a half years, I got an opportunity to move to Sydney, Australia, and and live out there. And I needed to get a brewing job, so I went around to the six or seven breweries they had in the city. Which you know, it's a big city like that. There's not very many, and I got a, probably the biggest brewing job possible: fifty barrel, or 50, fifty hectoliter brew house, pretty big. Uh, and it was a lot of automation, but serious big time stuff. And I, I, I got scared for like two weeks. I couldn't sleep. I was so nervous Anxious. about fucking up yeah. and to do this is a big step going from a 10 barrel little thing and, or 15 barrel in Temecula to 50 hectoliter. And I just had to every day sit down and think I'm homebrewing. You still have to mash in. You still have to bore off to get clarity. You still have to slowly fill the kettle, watch the sparge level, check your, your pH, monitor this, monitor the ABV or the, the, the sugar content, the small stuff that you're doing at homebrewing just bigger scale and it's stop i think it's not that it's big it's, it's a big homebrewing it's big homebrewing it's same process it's a same fucking process, thing bro. it's same a thing. process so you did two and a half years at black market mm-hmm. brewing in temecula moved to uh sydney australia for six months on a work holiday visa how awesome is that bro? it was cool but man that, that, that taught me of like how good san diego is it, that is the closest city to san diego in the whole world sydney is and i still want to go back to san diego yeah I mean, it's, it's sydney, like, australia i feel like anywhere in australia is like everything that's there is they want to kill you Insects, yeah, animals. If you get out of the city, yeah. yep, yep. That's why they built cities to keep the bugs out. Oh my god, snakes out. I'd, I'd love to go down there. The fucking flight scares me. What 15, is it like? Fifteen and a half hours. Oh, I'm on the way back when I first. Or no, actually, on the way back, fifteen and a half hours. Did not leave the seat. Didn't piss. Didn't do anything. Because you're fucking straight edge. It's bro. crazy. Let's get us some straight edge, baby. I don't even know how I did it, but I, I, it's like <laughs> when I point of pride, like I can go 15 hours out taking a piss. So you went to a university to learn how to fucking brew when you, no. your, your, your trip to Australia oh, yeah. in well, a sense was, was like a fucking next level education, mm-hmm. learning we, how to brew my, my, The paycheck that I got was from Kieran. We were the craft brewing uh, side sister of Kieran. So I worked for Good the- beer. Yeah, was, you know, the, the, off the Japanese owned. They owned the big lager brewing company Kieran Ichiban. in Sydney, and we worked for the craft side of it. So we were funded. It was really awesome. I learned a crap load about process and and really how to like big boy brew. There's two, there's two methods for brewing. There, there's two routes for brewing. 
There's the method you took, the actual hands-on, going, immersing yourself in, in the process, learning the techniques, learning from other brewers, and this is how we work this system. This is why we do this on this system. These are the This is where we get all of our raw materials, and you learned the business side is probably the, 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 the cost of goods, the what it takes to make a beer on budget, under budget, what happens if you're over budget. Then there's the other side. Where you go to a class, where you go to a university, where you take the training online. Like I did the opposite of you because mm -hmm. my, my goal was never to be the brew. When we set up three punk, it was, I was never, business, right? you know, it's like, it's, I was a business guy, yep. you know, like I'm in, I'm in the finance programs. I'm in the marketing programs. So I did that through San Diego state and through my hit, my background in finance and, and like banking and accounting with my previous career. And then I did Siebel Institute where it was the, the brewing of uh, science and technology, I don't know. You took that. I can't fucking apply. I could apply the the, the method and the mentality of doing that, mm -hmm. but hands on, I would I would fucking trade the two years I did at Siebel for fucking six months in Sydney, Australia yep. through Kieran because I would have learned ten times more quickly just yeah. doing well, that. Well, you on. just learn differently, and that's what my Andy at Black Market. I said, hey, I, I didn't go to college. I only did a few years at Miracosta and Oceanside. Just motherfucker, a few years? Yeah, three. Jesus Christ! And I had no direction. Punk rock was priority. Metal was priority. And I said, I, don't, I didn't use money that I've saved up. My dad helped me with. Let's, should I go to brewing school? And he said, absolutely not. What you know as a home brewer and what you can physically do in here is enough. And I can teach you. You can take these books home from Siebel. You can take these things from Domans in, in Germany and read yeah. all you want. But hands-on is really, I, say, I would hire a home brewer over a guy that just came out of brewing school. For sure. Because, I mean... Experience, bro. Hands on. It's, Experience it's, it's reigns supreme in, 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 in every industry, you know? Yeah. Um, that's what gets me nervous, though. I, why? I, that's a good point. I, I almost didn't get nervous, but I wonder, you know, say I lost my job tomorrow. Mm. How hard would it to be? How hard would it be for me to get a job knowing just on 12 years or 11 years experience rather than any kind of brewing certificate? If I was ever going to hire a head brewer. That's again, you, though. You know, if I was ever going to hire a head brewer again, I'd need experience. You know, I, I can give you the definition of but Warlock. If, but if I went to Sierra, Sierra Nevada, do you think they would hire me? They'd be, oh, well, we need these guys to come out of these schools. Well, the ideal candidate would be somebody who had my background in the actual education portion of it and somebody has your background in the actual experience portion, you know? So it's like, okay, oh, wow, he went to Siebel. He has <laughs> he has a Siebel like degree. He got a certificate. Oh, and he fucking went to San Diego State and he did the 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 marketing and the business aspect of of brewing. Oh, he's a well rounded person. But I had no experience. The only experience I had hands on was at Butcher's Brewing, and their mm -hmm. their system was completely different than the systems we operate oh, yeah. on now. So the goal here at Three Punk was always like the operators agreement stated that we all have to go to school to obtain the background needed to operate. And we all have to work at a brewery to get the hands-on experience. If I'm hiring somebody, I'm not hiring me. You know, I'm not hiring no, me no, to be the brewer. Never, yeah. Fuck no. Yep. no. I'm not hiring myself to be the head brewer. I'm hiring somebody like you to be the head brewer. And, you know, I did two years at Siebel. I did the two years at San Diego State. But motherfucker, show me on your resume where you worked five years on Ten a five-barrel system. But you're turning over beer like every month this much, this much barrelage, this much cooperage. It's like... It's a, it's a different game. Yeah. You know, I'm happy for what the, the path I took, but I'm envious of the path you took because your your path led you to after black market to where? I was in Sydney for six months, then back to black market for one more year as a head brewer. I came back because of watching other people and he was trying to hire 
just fail. And I was laughing. He would send me messages over Facebook saying, oh, this guy dry hopped our Hefeweizen because he thought it was a rye IPA. Or, oh, uh, he tried to crash the brown ale too quick and tried to keg it and it was just like kegging off mud. So he had to go buy a Home Depot, a little like underwater, under, under sink water filter to fix his problems. I'm like, dude, I could do all this stuff. I'd love to come back. So I got to come back for a year as their head brewer. I proved him real quick what I learned in Australia that I could do this. And, but I wanted to be in San Diego. That's where all my idols were. You know, I wanted to, like the, the bit Jeff Bagby's, the Tommy Arthur's, the Paul Segura's. Uh, I wanted to be in San Diego, the Bill Batten's. I, I love those guys. I sit there and lurk on the internet about, wow, that's such a cool job. These guys are San Diego OG badasses. So I applied for stone and I applied for Coronado. I interviewed at stone at nine 30 in the morning and then at 10 th- or 11 30 in the morning, I interviewed at Coronado the same day. And within 20 minutes of the interview at Coronado, they said, Hey, can you start on Tuesday? Yep. I'm like, hell yeah. Uh, did Stone ever call you back? They did, but three weeks later, can you come in for a second interview? Uh, and I said, ah, nope, too late, bros. And I'd love to know what my life, being the butterfly effect, what would I be doing now if I took that Stone job? Well, as it stands now, fuck, probably, probably nothing. Pro- well, <laughs> probably different. Who knows? <laughs> probably Who nothing knows? now. I may not be in San Diego. I don't know. But no, I was stoked. That opportunity was awesome. I learned a shitload at Coronado. They gave me a ton of opportunity to to travel the United States, travel the world. I got to go to Australia, New Zealand, uh, England, Germany, to brew in Germany, to brew in England, do hop selection, tons of stuff. And I helped. I think really think I helped elevate Coronado for those yeah, eight you years. Did, bro. And Hell they yeah. gave me the opportunity. They were such a, a good family company. I loved it. And then they they come back after seven years of doing that to say, hey. You know, we see what you do in Mexico. We see you judging down there. We see you do collaborations all the time. We see you bring up your Mexican buddies to come to the pub or, or tour Coronado's big facility. You have that connection, that tie to Mexico. Because of my brewing and my my wife being from down there and me traveling down there for collaborations, they said, dude, you've got something cool that like, we should start a whole different company. And you spearhead it with the small team. Mexican oranges. Or yeah. Origins. Like I, I started making Mexican lager, Mexican lager with agave, Mexican beer with... Uh, um, chocolate, coffee, canela, cajeta, whatever, these ingredients that they would not been used to using. And I said, dude, you got something that's so popular at our pub that it's selling really well. Start a whole different company, we're going to back you. And I was like, that's the best thing you could ever get. It's like the biggest pat on the back. So rather than hire a Mexican with actual legitimate Mexican roots, they hired the fucking white guy. Hey, that had all the Mexican I, when hookers. I first started with Coronado <laughs> Brewing, I was driving from Fallbrook to Coronado, uh-huh. an hour each way. And within not even two months of that, I said, this is crazy. So I, I asked my now uh, brother-in-law I'm like hey can I rent a room out so for a hundred bucks a month and they wouldn't even charge me some months come stay right there in Centro so I was driving 20 minutes back and cross back from the border so it was easy and with this that, was before you met your wife no I had known her since 2004 oh, okay, 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 okay. so we just weren't dating that time like uh-huh. we would date it on and off for 10 years 15 years but I knew that her brother had an open spot so we rented a room for, her, for a room at his house saved me a lot of time and money. And during that time, I was watching the Tijuana Homebrew Club come up. I was watching Insurgente come up, Aguamala come up, uh, Bossinger was already around, and I would just basically slang uh, extra yeast that I had from Coronado, hops that were like I could get you a hand You were the plug, bro. I was just like the guy that like said, hey, dude, this is wrong. Like I, We're doing this at Coronado. You should probably try it. You were the hop plug. You were the yeast plug. I you just, were the information I was, plug. I was the helper. I love to help. Because when I was coming off of work i'd go drink beers with the guys diego the head brewer at insurgente mm-hmm. was a bartender at this at this one shop and every day we'd all the brewers all the homebrew guys, homebrew club guys would go there and we'd just drink beer after work tell us about coronado a little bit more what did you do in coronado that 
help prep you to get to where you are now? Uh, I think the biggest thing was work ethic. Um, right off the bat, I was such a super nerdy homebrew guy and so into like production and like, can we try this to make this better? Can we do this to make it more efficient? Uh, can we, you know, try this process to get more aroma out of it? And it kind of got, it proved itself because I was the guy who's also working on the weekends. Like I just almost, I was living, um, TJ was no big deal because you could cross border. My wife always wanted to come over to do shopping, whatever. Oh, and then later I lived in North Park. So I proved to them that I was dedicated seven days a week, multiple, you know, 10, 12 hours, didn't give a shit. Even on on salary, it's like, it doesn't matter. I'm working, 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 working. You're a grinder, bro. I loved it. You, you, you're a grinder. I'm, I'm getting tired of it, but I, well, I, now, I, I'm, I'm assuming you're getting tired. In the beginning, I was like, yeah. I'm going to do whatever it takes to prove to everyone around me and in this company that these are our beers, my beers. Let's make the these best. the best Say fucking, no fucking beers possible. You're the best. No, I want to be the best. Yes. I want to make the best beers. Where do you rank yourself? Because I know where we I don't, I know, I don't I give where, a shit about ranking. I know, no, I, listen, because I know where your peers rank you, I know where we rank you. Where, how do you see yourself in this industry? All I see myself as is trying to emulate myself as what I looked up to in San Diego. I wanted to be those award-winning guys from Ale Smith, from Stone, from Lost Abbey, from Pizza Port to Strauss to, you know, even like the guys are just a little older than me at, um, at Society. Like, I just love the guys that gave a shit, that did nothing but, you know, not cut corners, do whatever it took to make the best beer possible. So now you're that guy. Oh, I try to be that guy. Now you're that guy. How does it feel to be that guy? Mm, give me a little I, bit of I, your I still, accolades. Give us a little bit of your <laughs> well, accolades. Well, the best thing about it was when I got into Coronado, they had won a few, you know, fairs here and there, San Diego, LA, and they had never won in shit, 18, 16 years. Uh -huh. I got there, I think it was on their 16th anniversary. Um, and they had never won a GABF medal. And, and I said, I will fucking change it for you. At my first year at Black Market Brewing, we won a gold in the Rye beer category for Rye IPA. I said, all right, I, I know what it takes. I had to dry hop that myself. I had to hand carbonate it in the keg myself. I had to hand bottle it. I knew what it takes to, to put a, a quality product in a, in a vessel for competition. So when I came to Coronado, I knew they didn't win those awards. And I said, I will make that happen. Within the first two years, I got them their first medal at the Great American Beer Fest. We got a silver for a black IPA. I said, all right, that's the start of it. Next year, that was 2012, 13, came back, uh, I think, yeah, 2014. Uh, went to World Beer Cup, and we. I said, let's let's put this and this and this in this category. We're not going to put it in IPA. We're going to put it in strong pale ale. I had a dynamic thought of like how this works. I had a new competition. Like why why would you throw in your beer in a pool of 180 beers when you can throw 300 your, something? Yeah, and you, I when put you can throw your beer into like oh you know this has but 75. I, but, I, but I knew it didn't have the the complexity of these newer IPAs. I knew we were limited to Chinook, Cascade, Centennial, Columbus. All Those right. are hops. <laughs> Those varieties weren't the sexiest, but I knew we could make it work. So let's put this beer in this. I knew barley wine. Uh, I'd never brewed a barley wine in my life. I spent months researching barley wine, drinking barley wine, nerding out with Johnny O from Coronado. Wade is now in Australia. And we put together a group recipe to, to get a rad barley wine. We dry hopped it with English and American hops, put that in. That won us a silver medal at the 2014 World Beer Cup. And we got a gold for Islander IPA at the 2014 World Beer Cup. Those two awards in that category was enough entries that it got us to champion brewer, brewery, brewmaster of 2014. Say it again. Champion brewery, brewmaster of mid-size, mid-size, uh, 2014. That's the two South Bay brewers have won brewmaster of the year. That's you right. and Paul Segura. 
Yeah, because right. you guys have both won mid-sized breweries of the year. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's fucking rad, dude. It's pretty badass. That's, I mean, that's but then, badass. But then, you know what? You see people like Matt Brindelson mm-hmm. at, at Firestone. Yeah. That guy's three-peated. He's freaking, what do you call it? The hat tricked it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's what you want to, like, okay, I did it once. Can, do it, can bro, I do it again? But you're doing do some again? shit that can nobody, that 85% of this industry has never done. Yeah. Okay. But, but that's the drive we Obviously. should all have. Let's, and let's that's keep what, going. Let's keep going. you have it? I'm trying. No. But the coolest thing about South Norte, once uh-huh. we started this, it's like the first year we entered and we got a bronze for Agavamente. And I was like, Anytime holy shit. Anytime you enter the GABF. No, you, no, no, no. I've okay, failed a, a few times. The majority of the time that you enter GABF, bro, it's like I see I'd your say name. Half. I was like, oh, and I'm like, half. there he is. Brooks is going to win again. Half. And you do. That's fucking awesome. Uh, I, just, I feel like... um. Where most brewers in where most brewers in this industry that they have oh man they have confidence that it, it fucking borderlines cockiness I hate and, that and 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 it's like you are the antithesis of that dude you you are a grinder you work hard you're humble as fuck yet you're still killing it well I, I it comes back to looking at the guys that I grew up watching. You know, look at Tommy Arthur. I mean, that guy has won so many awards for way crazier beards than beers that I've ever done, and he's still just like the you know bald head grinning guy on top of the stage. You know, Jeff Bagby. That guy is a legend. He's tall. He's tall. He's, he's a just, big guy. He's quiet. He can kind of come off as an asshole, but uh, you know, the, the guy is as good as he knows his shit. Guys of society love those guys. They're just coming off it with a nice grin, but they're not. They're not like, oh, we're the best in the world. We're not best in San Diego. They keep going. They get better and better and try harder and harder and grow in their business. Is that the kind of stuff that I emulate, I want to emulate? So now you're at South Norte. Yeah. You have all these accolades under your belt. You have accolades with South Norte now. Yeah. Um, what was your goal when you joined South Norte? What, 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 what is it that you, you wanted to do accomplish and kind of like lead in what direction with this? Uh, new brewery? And, and we have not accomplished that yet. I st- this is going to happen. It's, that COVID fucked us up a little bit. Uh, we've changed kind of majority owners from, from, we used to be Coronado with the main ownership. Now we have got John Gallegos, who was from the beginning, he was the guy that created the brand name, the logo, some of the, some of the, like the, the images that we've had. He's comes from a big marketing company and he's always saw the like, potential for South Norte. And what the potential that we had was to make authentic Mexican, um, influenced beers in the San Diego fashion of craft you know we're, we're taking the, everything we would love about mexico whether it be flavors or styles um collaborations cultural references well that's not what i mean that, that's part of it i mean yeah, like, right? you can't make uh, a jamaica beer without using the culture of mexico because i mean other than maybe hawaii do they use hibiscus i guess hibiscus yeah but it wasn't it wasn't about that it was about flavors and senior craft and camaraderie of collaboration so we would always uh, we thought about in the beginning that's why we had this place that we thought about in imperial beach that never happened and you know the place in east village that never happened we would have a brewery small focusing on quality beers using all kinds of crazy mexican ingredients having all my friends from all parts of mexico come over and collaborate and show off what they can pull off from their town or what they have you know growing in their backyard and then we have this little, small, little pub with uh, great food. We're not there yet. But you're on your way. Yeah, I mean. I mean, COVID fucked a lot of COVID, people up. Yeah. Dude, COVID, COVID, killed, COVID killed some projects. But it made us, I mean, we were sick, 80% draft, 20% package. That flip-flopped to 95% package. 
and very little draft within months and saved everything we've done. We hired a really smart marketing and sales gal who worked for Constellation and she's put me to, to hey, go from Oceanside to San Ysidro, hit every liquor store up and push, 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 push. And I've learned that in the past year. Because you've, damn, you've worn a lot of hats in this industry. But the, the most recent hat that, like you just said, is sales guy. Dude, it's sales so important. Guy. Everyone talks shit, and I've seen it because when I was brewing a Coronado, the sales guys coming in, hey, bro, you think you can make this? Hey, bro, can you make me a pin or, or a you know a special keg for this account, for this thing? And then you're like, God damn it, no. No, no, no. Brewery no. inside information tip. Brewers hate salespeople. Salespeople hate brewers. That's the way it's supposed to be, right? It's a, common, it? it's a common fucking division of power. Until uh, the brewer becomes... The, the, the salespeople know what people in power of purchasing beer want the brewers want to brew whatever the fuck they want to brew you know they want to stay true to most brewers i've met they want to stay true to classics a lot sure. of them a lot of them don't want to like um jump into the the latest craze the fads the this the that they want to honor the tradition of brewing which i love we were built on that when ivan malonella was our brewer here we, we we prided ourselves on on um traditional styles beer styles you know we were keller beers we were zwickel beers we did a lot of that we did a lot English of german beers, beers german German beers. Yeah, a lot of German Belgian beers. Yeah. Um, then you have the antithesis of that, which is a salesperson. And I know a lot of fucking sales, beer salesmen. And they're like, no, bro, I need a hazy. I need a seltzer. I need this. I need that. I need the other. And that's where the divide starts, man. Um, so there's a lot of hatred between a sales rep and, yeah. and an actual brewer. But I think if, if there was a, a better re, uh, relationship, if brewers could go out with sales guys more often. Yeah. Or sales guys can come sit on the brew deck Brew. for hours. I know and a couple see guys who do that. Yep. Like that's what the, the separation is too extreme right now. And as soon we would have this thing at Coronado where the, whenever the f- new hire came in, you had to spend a full eight hour day with the brew team on the brew deck helping out. And that did help. I think a lot of people say, "Oh wow, this is not that easy." Like it's a lot of physical work, and to do something special like one little keg for you, that could be you know six to eight hours of extra bullshit. One of my co-hosts here. Dude that jumps in on the podcast a lot with me is Caesar, Caesar Torres. Yeah. And um he's a guy that embodies that shit, bro. He he's a hustler, he's got that mentality. So he's jumping on the brew deck and started helping in the brewing and 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 just kind of like involves himself in what goes on on that aspect. And then just last week he brought down one of their main brewers down here and he showed her what it's the sales aspect is all about. And that's mm-hmm. why Virgin Dude. is what what Virgin is, bro, cuz they yeah. they fucking kill it. They embody what most breweries want to become. Um, definitely a goal in what I want us to become. We're on a much smaller scale. Like here at Three Punk, we embody the neighborhood brewery mentality. Mm-hmm. And that's what we are. And that's where that's where we have our niche. You know, That's very name. important though. It is, bro. You got to own your backyard. That's what it was you know, 150 years ago. Every small town, especially in Germany, in Europe, that's what it was. It was My like, only experience in Europe as it relates to the brewing and beer and this industry and culture is going to Dublin and going to uh, London and Manchester. And when we were out there, we visited a lot of pubs, uh, a few breweries. And man, as passionate and possessive they are with their soccer, their football clubs, they're the same way, if not more, with their local pubs. With and those local are big brewing. cities too. Yeah. Like if you get out in the podunks and <laughs> weird parts of Belgium and Germany... That's They'll like, die for their pub, it's, bro. It's, 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 big or it's as, as big or smaller than Three Punks. And that's the town that feeds yeah. the town. Like, I mean, here at Third Avenue, Chula Vista, we're in a bubble. You know, I, I, I tell people down here, it's like, we're in a bubble. What affects the San Diego beer community doesn't affect Chula Vista. 
We, we approach things way differently. Mm -hmm. There's no sat oversaturation. There's no need to do certain styles to an extent. Um, breweries down here are still in their Fisher Price stage where it's their, like, my first brewery stage. And for the longest you feel like time... Everyone you can make whatever and it'll get and so everyone's going to be excited to be oh my god we're just so fucking excited that you guys are down here yeah. and we're stoked on it you know and 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 people that i hire to work in the tasting room i have to convey that important message to them like bro like you're the first line of like defense you are the person they don't three punk they're not going to see me they're not going to see kevin they're going to see whoever's working upstairs they're going to see glasses they're going to see cynthia they're going to see vernie they're going to see bruno like they're going to see those people as three punk ales you know, so it's important and imperative that the people that we hire and put in position here that they're knowledgeable, mm -hmm. but they're not too fucking cocky. Correct. You know, that, there's a fine line. For yeah, sure. and it's a very fine line. You know, because it's almost let listen. let the customer kind of play it. Okay, how much do you really want to nerd, nerd out on this? Do you want to know every little detail yeah. about what hops are in it? Do you give a shit? No. The probably most not. important question uh, a, a front of house representative could ask is, "What do you normally drink?" No, it's like, huge. What, what, what do you drink? If you're going to drink an IPA, which one is your favorite one right now? Yeah. Okay. Do you it. not drink IPAs? What do you normally drink? Oh, you know what? I drink Pacificos. All right, cool. Perfect. You're gotcha. a Mexican lager kind of guy. You know what? Mexican pale, Mexican amber, whatever. Mm -hmm. Boom, boom, boom. And then from there, you just build. Speaking of that amber, that is crushing. That is that. Which one? Flama Roja is Come on. Again? Flama Roja is on point. Damn, right now. Flama Roja so slowly bomb. became my favorite so fucking bomb. beer, dude. It's just an easy drinking beer. I got to start canning that It might shit. even be a Kevin fuck up. But he did a good job. Yeah, Kevin That's okay. it, might, it might have been a good fuck up. <laughs> Real shit? It happens. But yeah, as long as you Brewery write it down, Brewery you can repeat it. Create magic. Yeah. Ask, Air, ask, Air, ask uh, Stone about Arrogant Bastard, dude. Shit, ask Latitude 33 about their uh, fucking... Honey Hips, right? Yeah. Dude. Is it Honey Hips? No. no the, uh, I was going to say blood the, orange, blood the Blood Orange. orange. Blood yeah, orange. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of fuck ups turn into just... Oh, magic. Wow. This is what we need Company to do. Company saving... Fuck up. Especially for Latitude 33. Yep. Exactly. That was a major fuck up. Yeah. And then. So I've heard. That, yeah. That's what that people have told me. But good for that, man. They capitalized. They stayed with it. Because mm -hmm. some people say, fuck up, dump it. Don't ever fucking bring that to me again. Well, if it's bad. Yeah. But if it transcends into an area something where. different. Like it, yeah. You can't call it that. What can, happened in Latitude 33? They were going for something. They completely missed the mark. I heard Somebody they were contract said, brewing for someone else. They completely missed the mark. They said, this is terrible, awful. And, well, what do we do to save it? Throw honey in it, which usually you cannot save any bad beer by throwing any kind of ingredient in it. Fruit, whatever, chocolate, coffee. But somehow I guess that works. That makes them made it, it perfect. Yeah. And then they threw a little bit Maybe. of fucking Ooh, blood orange extract. Yeah, and all of knows. a sudden. Ba bam. bam. There it is. Save yeah. the brewery. Yeah, the blood orange maybe covered everything up. Who knows? Our industry now compared to when you started. Oh, my God. Major differences? What do you see? F massive differences. Uh, styles, actually, people... It was so small back then. You know, it was a, a real rinky-dink kind of like... I, I would think maybe a sixth of what the population is now. Maybe a quarter. I mean, it's a lot less drinkers... 12 years ago in the craft. So you could get away with making an ESB, English Brown, uh, Belgian-style beers. No one was discerning. They're like, oh, wow, this is cool. It tastes like fruity or it tastes like figs and these things. Now it's like you got about three things. Is, is, it, is it fruity? Is it hoppy? Is it seltery? And that's really what I see selling everywhere. I looked at the Coronado's tasting list a couple weeks ago. just popped in because I'm contract brewing there. And I saw a list. It was... IPAs, fruited IPAs, hazy IPAs, uh, Berliner Weiss fruit, 
and seltzer. I'm like, whoa, where, where, where is oh, Mermaid Red. Okay, you got one beer that's out of that category. Nothing malty, nothing Belgian yeast, nothing experimental with cool stuff. But I get it. And it's what's selling. And you it's have to just, you have to follow it. And I get it. That's why I've learned it. You know, you got to You've just, learned it because you're on the other side of it now, brother. I get it. And There's not a lot of people like you in this industry that are hardcore, straight up brewers. Oh, dude. I mean, through and through. Tommy Arthur. Yeah. I, I've talked to him the same way. He's like, man, we, we can't sell the beers we were making these years ago. And, and he gets it, and that's why he's doing this tiny bubbles program. And he's you got to learn how to pivot a little bit. Maybe you don't have to pivot like completely and just pander to every little trend, because those trends go around. I've seen some stuff in the past few years that was hot. I mean, look at brute. Everyone was making a brute for a quick second, thinking, "Oh shit, here we go. We got to jump on this bandwagon." And where'd that go? We made a brute. We a lot of people did. Yeah, uh, we, well, I mean, we still made one. Um, we make the anniversary beer for the Manhattan, a local fucking dive bar here in Chula Vista for the homie Matt C Select. And um, it's a great beer. It's a great beer with a very short shelf life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those beers, like, when you have it, like, within the first fucking two weeks of it, it's like, oh, my God, this is a great beer. But after week three, it starts to fall off. Can be, yeah. Week four, it starts to, like, get a little bit of that diacetyl fucking taste, a little. See, I'm that, not sure that's all of them, but it can happen. It can it's, happen, it's, bro. But it, it never took off. That thing was a. a, a and that's a, a shame because that was a big beer. And it was tasty, but I mean, that happens. Can, that happens. So some of these beers are dictated. These beer styles are dictated by the beer geeks, the beer nerds, yeah. what they like, what they want. You know, if it was up to me, um, obviously I run a brewery. I mean, I have, I own a brewery, so I have to look at, I have to weigh it. What's selling? But what do we enjoy doing? Mm -hmm. We enjoy making lagers. You know, like you said, the Flama Roja, that's the Flama Roja and the Flama Blanca are our two biggest sellers. Until we made a hazy. And now that we make a fucking hazy, that bitch sells like nobody's business. What about the seltzer compared to that? That was next. Even more? And now that we make a seltzer, as it relates to the the actual cost mm -hmm. of making that seltzer, as it relates to making, I don't know, a double IPA like the needle in the hay. Dude. Bro, if I'm making a needle in the hay and it costs me 10 units and I'm making a seltzer and it costs me two units, that's I'm exactly doing right. the same beer with the same profit margin at one-fifth of the cost. Exactly. And any brewer that's doing this stuff that wants to live there and kick and scream about, oh, I don't want to do this, which I I am, I'm this, I was that person. I was like, seltzer is so lame. Hazy I put that salesman hat on. Well, no, no. I, I, just there, I just stop and think about it for a minute and just see what's going on. If you're not capitalizing on a little bit of that, that hype, then you can't make your Dortmunder export. You can't make your German alt beer. You can't make your Hefeweizen. You can't make your, you know, ultra cool rad session IPA that no one's going to drink but you and your homies or your English bitter. Like those things pay for you to do the stupid stuff that only you and your beer nerd friends are going to drink. That's the most true. That's the statement, balance you have to have. But that's the truest statement that nobody talks about. It's like you got to learn what sells to do what you want. You know, it takes money to make money. Yep. You want to fucking, you want to brew a Keller beer over and over and have it become a, a mainstay, a staple of your core beers. You better get used to making a pastry stout. Yep. You better get used to making a fucking uh, double dry hop hazy. You know, like you got to learn how to do all of these other fatty things mm -hmm. so you can facilitate a pathway to doing what you want as a head brewer. Yep. You know? And I think that's rad if you can do that on a, on a, a place like this is perfect where you... Feed the hype, feed what people want, but then give the brewer an outlet to, to do the nerdy stuff so you, you, you appease and please everybody. Yeah, bro, both our brewers it, um, of all time here, like Ivan and Kevin, 
they didn't want to brew hazies. Yeah. Like hazies was not in our repertoire. It was like, no, 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 no. I want to just brew old school this, old school that. I want to do this. And it was cool. But now it's like to the point where like, dude, they're. Well, when you have a customer comes in and says, hey, do you have any hazies? And then they, and they go they, down the street. Yeah, That's bro. not good, man. <laughs> and you don't even know how many times would, people would come in and be like, oh, let me get your hazy. Oh, you know, we don't make one. Okay, thank you. They turn around and they yeah, leave. That's, that's, There's that's, only so many times that you can have that happen before you're like, what the fuck? Why aren't we brewing yeah. this? That should be a, a funny business model. You should have done that for the first six months and like put like five bucks into a jar and like after like a few months, you're like, look how much oh my money God. we've got. We have $75,000. <laughs> I don't know about that Because much, we but. didn't make fucking a hazy beer, you know? So now that we make a hazy beer, it, it sells like crazy, you know? Thank you, Brian Brooks, accoladed fucking brewer. You helped us. Make that first uh, hazy oh, beer. Just wait the second one comes out. We, Kevin and I are already like, well, we did this wrong and could have done this better. Well, you motherfuckers better get on it because it's already out. It's I sold know. out. Oh, so. it's, already, it's already in the plans for next week. Nice. So, yeah, I mean. And the yeast strain, too. Yeah, and, and we just brewed our first hazy pale. Yeah, which is delicious. what I'm drinking right now. great beer. Nice job. Do you know what I was like? Oh, MG, that's a, that, that's a legit beer. And then we traced it. And our seltzer game started at the fucking basement level. When we started making it seltzers, it was stinky. And stinky is associated Sulfur. with sulfuric. Like, it was very sulfuric in smell, and it just killed the taste. Because uh, pellet-wise, 80% of taste is smell. Yeah. Like, if you smell it, that's what you're tasting. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter what the fuck it tastes like. Olfactory oh, system goes right ooh, up your nose yeah, on yeah. your tongue. I, I smell this. I'm tasting this. So we were like, okay, what do we got to do? We tapped into some of the better uh, seltzer brewers in the community. And they said, oh, you guys got to do this. You got to do that. You're missing these steps. We started implementing these steps. Now Kevin makes a fucking clean as seltzer. We have these seltzers. We started canning them. And those sell like crazy. So our top three selling beers are our Flamas. Our hazies Lager and, and, our hazies and our That's cool, man. It's a, a good spectrum. Yeah, and it's but it's crazy. It's things that we wouldn't have done last year. Yeah, and it's like, oh my god. From my my point, the business standpoint, it's like, fuck. We left a lot of opportunity on the table. You know, I can't believe it took us this long to actually jump in. Well, grab perfect it and take time it. because of COVID. It's a good. Now you're picking back up. COVID gave us an opportunity. COVID gave a lot of breweries an opportunity to reassess, readjust, and represent. You know what you're about and what you want to do moving forward. Yeah. For us, we took advantage of that and said, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And that's what we're doing that's now. That's the hustle mentality. And it to worked. Have. Yep. Thank God it worked. We're still open. Unfortunately, COVID killed a lot of our homies. COVID killed a lot of our breweries, you know, breweries uh, that we look up to or breweries that we were all about. A lot of those aren't around anymore. And it's um, not done. No. Like, you know, like, <laughs> no. He's brewery misconception number three. Four, three. Three, four, whatever, wherever we're at, breweries have a lot of money. They do. Breweries live month to month. Breweries are like your normal middle, lower middle class industry, lower middle class working class person. If you miss the mark two, three months in a row, and you don't have a solid savings account to back Browsers, you up, you're screwed. You're going to be in a shitload of trouble. Yep. You know. Running a brewery, running a business, running a family, running a household, running everything requires planning. If you're failing to plan, you're planning to fail. So you got to make sure that your I's are dotted, your T's are crossed, and you have a nice fucking backup because you're going to need that backup, dude. I don't give a shit what brewery you are. At one point or another, your favorite brewery went through a growth spurt, went through a stage where they were like awkward. We all went through that 13 to 15 year old stage where we we're adolescents and we looked weird and we we're kind of coming into our own. A lot of your favorite breweries, all of your favorite breweries went through that stage. Mm-hmm. And those breweries that had 
sufficient savings to bridge the gap from being 16 to being 20, made it. Those who didn't, haven't. Throw in a fucking pandemic, and it killed a lot more. Yeah. It's, well, and also the people that, okay, do you have a fucking food truck tied real quick? Do you yeah. have a, any kind of restaurant that's yeah. tied to it real quick? Do you have any outdoor seating? Like, there's always little options. Are you, how are you doing your uh, delivery? Like, you guys crushed it on that. You want to learn beginning. how to run a brewery? You want to learn how to learn a biz- run a business? You better learn how to dance because you yep. can't be stagnant. You, no you, you can't walk a straight line. You can't just have your arms crossed, pouting. No, no, this is not fair. This, this is sucks. Not, this fucking sucks. Which Why I said a lot. Why is it all coming on me? This is only happening to me. No, my friend, no. this is happening to everybody. And not just in this industry. How about the restaurant? Dude, how about the whole service industry? We have it so industry? much better than a lot of people. We do. LA, Los Oof. Angeles, Los Angeles, Los Angelinos. Their brewery scene industry up until like a week and a half ago, because I talked to a, a couple of brewery owners in, in LA that we know, just two weeks ago, they were allowed to have um, food trucks tied into outdoor service. For the last three, four, five months, they were six only months. for six months, they were allowed to strictly sell to go, strictly do delivery, package sales only, no in house, no outdoor, no I have a food truck, no this, nor that. They, they, the select few who made it through that, the people who fucking planned not to fail are the ones who made it. It's crazy, man. You can't expect everybody to give you a handout. You can't expect everybody to like be like, hey, man, you're a brewery. Here's $150,000 to bridge the gap until you, this pandemic is over. Speaking Bro. Of, yeah, it's a... St- Nope. I'm happy for them because they, the people who made it, not Border <sighs> X. I'm really good friends with David Favela. Favela was like, yo, bro, like it, things are going good in Barrio, but, but we just opened in Bell. But in Bell, we haven't been able to do this. We haven't been able to do that. And I have a brewery in San Diego and I have a brewery in LA. So I, had, I have the, the unique opportunity to look from the outside in and be like, oh my God, I'm getting fucked here, but I'm thriving here. Yeah, it was it's, tough, it's, bro. That sucks. I hate hearing that kind of stuff. But, uh, but I have to go back. Uh, it wasn't them at Border X, but someone else in the industry called out South Norte for saying, hey, you know, I heard that Ryan at South Norte basically ripped them off and stole their idea for using Jamaica in a recipe. I was just told this this week, and it fucking pissed me off. Give me names, boy. I don't know fucking names. This is a local pizza place around here that wouldn't take, oh, we won't buy South Norte cakes because uh, they, we heard they stole... The recipe. I'm like stealing, stealing the recipe. Well, one thing, I don't have a fucking recipe from anyone that 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 I'm trying to steal. Local uh, to San Diego or local yes. to Chula Vista? Lo- uh, San Diego. Uh, and and that, that really started pissing me off. There's San so many Diego. places that are like these these bullshit lies that run around. Like, oh well, he's not Mexican. You know, he didn't. You know, he shouldn't be doing this. Or, oh well, he stole this from Border X. I'm thinking like, you're not Mexican. No, I'm married to a Mexican. <laughs> I lived in Mexico. I spent. Years in Mexico, I teach in Mexico, I judge in Mexico, I'm respected in Mexico, and I'm that's there one thing. Are. If I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. humble about everything, every Mexican brewer knows who I am and respects me because I'm always open and helpful and and open to talk about anything to help that community because there's not the education that we have up here and and fucking 150 breweries in San Diego. They don't have 150 breweries in Guadalajara. They don't have 100 breweries in Monterrey. They don't have 150 breweries in in Ciudad de Mexico or in Carretero. So when I go down there, let's let's talk about it. Let's let's share the secrets that I've learned here in San Diego and do that. And I I fucking want to call it any asshole that wants to say, oh, well, you know, he's a white guy brewing Mexican beers. Whoa, 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 whoa. Go look at my fucking past. Go look who I'm married to and what my time has been spent in Mexico. 
that'll prove everything. And I'm not stealing no recipes from no breweries. But even though stealing recipes is common yeah, it's a, fucking... It's a, that's, no, no. I've, how would I go and steal how a recipe? How many Speedway Stout <laughs> fucking variants have I had at other breweries, bro? We all we all have learned from that. Exactly. That's not stealing. But it, not stealing. anyway, so I'm just trying to like I'm getting it off my chest that I'm sick. I'm not sick because I don't have a lot. But when people say, "Oh, he's just trying to like pander or trying to like do something like poser," and like that pisses me off because they don't know my background. In what Mexico. I see is when you're at the top of anything, people try to get at you. Maybe. And I feel like you're at the top of your game, and people are trying to get oh, at I'm you. I'm still getting. I'm you're working. At the top I'm, of your I'm climbing higher, rookie. man. I'm climbing higher. You're at, you're at the top higher. of your game. You haven't stopped hustling and people are trying to get at it. Plain and simple. But if you don't have haters, you you ain't doing it right. I guess so. And you, you, you got a good haters, point. I guess. Well, okay. Speaking of haters, you're hated on the idea of going to go out to East Lake to do anything. Me? You, said, you said East Lake is where breweries go to die. And what, oh man, uh, that was my idea, you know, Simply yeah, for three years cost. ago. I feel like the you cost. You think it's cost has changed with COVID? The, the, Cause the you're cost, right. It is expensive. It's the double cost the price. Of moving over there during COVID has not changed. Price of square foot. No, no, everything, everything remains the same. For me, if I had the the means, I know a specific spot in East Lake that I would go, and and, and I feel we would kill it it's out probably there. Probably right next to UPS, you so know? you can go after work ooh, and drink beers. Ooh, That's probably what he's ooh, thinking. Ooh, because <laughs> you know what? Everybody who works at UPS, they go to Nova after their shift. Yeah, you know, yeah. they go to Nova. See, I love those guys in Nova. I'm friends with them, but I think that, and they even brought it to my attention. They would love to have South Norte out there. They would love yeah. to have a brewery to have competition because. It brings more people out. This is a unique industry where there's strength in numbers. You know, yes. there's other industries where, like, if you own a pizza shop and somebody else owns a pizza, a pizza shop, like, three blocks down, you're like, oh, fuck that pizza yeah. shop. But what they don't understand is in this industry, if there's one brewery and there's a brewery down the block, it's like, that's awesome. You're slowly creating an environment where people are going to come and hang out. Yes. They're not just going to gonna go to one. slice of pizza and then yeah. go, oh, I'm going to go check out this guy's yeah. slice of pizza. No. They're, they're going to have, go beers, and have a couple brewery, beers and then they're going to jump to Three Punk and they're going to go to fucking Groundswell. Then they're going to jump to Bar Sin Nombre and they're going to go to Third Avenue Whale House. Then they're, they're going to cruise soon. Yeah. And then they're going to be like, oh, fuck, I need some liquor. I'm done with beer. They're gonna then go they're going to go to Elwood. They're going to go to the Manhattan. So it's like, this is the one industry where it's unique and it's business model where it's like there's strength in numbers, you know? Um, and Eastlake could benefit a lot from yeah, that. Yeah, they need something out there. I just see Novo just crushing it and killing it, and it's like right by my house. And I'm like, gosh, man, like, you know, there's more Mexicans out there. There's more Filipinos than there are, than there are uh, Brazilians. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, let's let's make some Mexican-style beers out there. We were shitted on for opening in Chula Vista. They were, people were telling us, um, people in the industry, you know, the smart people in the industry, fucking not. Um, why are you opening in Chula Vista? Mexicans don't drink craft beer. Black people don't drink craft beer. <laughs> Filipinos that's don't drink pathetic. craft beer. I was like, man, obviously yeah. you've you don't never know been in Chula you Vista. Your homework. Down in South Bay, that's all we are. And guess what? That's all we do. Yeah. Why do we make so many lagers? Because guess what? My fucking first beer that I enjoyed was a Carta Blanca. Excellent. Lager, a Vienna lager. You know, all of these beers that I tried when I was younger were all lagers. Mm -hmm. That's what minorities drink down here. Why? Because that's what was they readily grew up available. On. You know, we drank tios, all of these shits, you know, trains, it was Heineken, it was these fucking Mexican lagers, it was motherfucking Stony IPA. That's a wrap. Nothing more, nothing less. Yep. So when I opened down here when, and we decided, what are we going to come out with? We're like, you know, Flama Blanca, Flama Roca, fuck it. But what about a double IPA? What about it? Like, ah, that'll come eventually. Right really? now, I didn't know that was, your, that, that was your beginning model. Yeah. Like we had four beers that we wanted to work with and we were like, you know what? We really need a Mexican lager. A pale and a red, or a pale and an amber. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, cool, let's do that. And then we just went to a basic IPA, 
Kill the Poor, which has gone through so many fucking changes. Mm-hmm. Uproo, and uproo, what was the fourth one? The fourth one, Needle in the Hay, our double there IPA. Yeah, those were the four beers that we came out swinging. So Hop, with. Bigger Hop, and Hoppy. Lager, yeah. Lager. Nice. And then, you know, we audited our Russian Imperial Stout, mm-hmm. and then we threw in a fucking German Pilsner, and then we just started doing like our Mexican uh, fucking brown. brown, you know, and then. And from there it grows. You have to be a Fisher Price brewery if you're opening the South Bay. You've got to be the people's first experience in a in a brewery. Because in most cases, you are the people's most first experience in a brewery. They don't know what a fucking sour, a cucumber sour, fucking this, that, and the other is, man. They're going to go like, hey, man, I drink Pacifico. What do you guys have like that? And we get that shit 10, 20, 50 times a day. Wow. We're like, okay, yeah, well, we have this. Oh, I'll take that. But we also have this. I, I'm gonna stick with that. I like that one. I like Carta Blanca or I like Modelo. This is what I drink. That's when you can slide in a little taster. Yeah, just check it out. Right? And I was like, you know what? I know you liked it, but check this out. We have this too. Bing. This is a rye IPA. Oh, this is good. Oh, I'll take this one. And then that's how you slowly start like mm-hmm. educating. Because having a brewer in the South Bay is a lot of education, as you already know. Absolutely. Bro. You've been in this industry a lot of years. Yeah, a lot of years. Give me some dark sides of the industry that you've noticed develop. Well, you mentioned about like people that you know that have you know troubles in this industry, and especially with like how easy it is to drink. You go to festivals, and it's a fun time when you're seeing. It's almost you, encouraged. It is. You're seeing 15, 20, 30, 30 of your friends all just hanging out, having fun, and then oh hey after party oh we're gonna do this, and it's a slippery slope at times. Um, thank God I've got a gr- awesome wife and kids where I'm like I need to go home. <laughs> I can't be doing that shit. Um, yeah, but, but I have a lot I of friends. I feel like that's the only anchor. That's I have a lot of friends net. that don't have that, and you know they're in their late thirties or late forties. They're still single in that that North Park awesome life, which I thought we, my wife and I would have, and uh, we changed it, which is rad. But it's easy just to to rage, and it's easy to get sucked into. Oh, you know, you're going to get industry dis- industry discount, or oh, we're drinking here for free, or it's after hours at my bar when it closes down. And it's a, uh, it's dangerous. It can be crazy, and especially COVID, man. Like I've noticed myself, I've been drinking so much more in the past six months. Have you? Absolutely, I've gained at least ten pounds. You just look good. all just gut. You're good looking. Just because I just, just chug, man. What do you do? You go home and the kids are sitting at home. They're not going anywhere. There's nothing for them to do. You're, oh, prepping, prepping for school tomorrow. Well, just day's done by six. Drink, drink, drink till eight or nine. I had a seltzer today, and I had uh, what did I have? A double IPA, I think. I don't know. Those are the most beers I've had. You're getting up early though, too. Those are the most beers. That's my saving grace, bro. If I didn't work at UPS, if I didn't have to be up at at, two thirty, if you woke up at seven or eight in the morning, it'd be a different game. You'd be drinking till noon or till midnight. Like right now, like today, what are we? Wednesday, midweek. I've had two beers, and already those two beers are the most I've had in probably like a week, two weeks. You got to catch up. I do. I do my best not to drink, you know, because I have too many responsibilities. You know, one, my kids, priority family. I'm a family guy. I got to make sure that I'm I'm there now more than ever because the social, uh, the distance learning. I've got to be there and helping them when wifey's not available. So that then I get up early. I got to be at work at two thirty in the morning. It's like fuck. I can't go to work. My work is very labor intensive. It's very. If you start at two thirty, when do you get off? At nine? Yeah, like by ten. By 10, so you come I'm home or do the kids are at school? The kids are in school. Um, wife is like, hey, I have to go to Costco or hey, I have to go run this errand. Hey, da, 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 and you're and watching like, three boys on three separate computers or separate pads. Two boys on two separate computers. The youngest and one my youngest one is in preschool. And we have one, a family friend. Um, big ups to Vanessa. She comes in and she kind of like looks after Oliver. 
while we're looking at the big, because Oliver is, he's in preschool. He's his first year of preschool. He's only three, but he's learning what it is to be involved. And it sucks. He's three. He's not going to fucking pay attention to anything that goes on online. I have a five-year-old doing the school stuff and he doesn't want to pay attention. It's a crazy time. So I can't be drinking. I like to eat. You can be sharp. I like to eat. Eating is my fucking vice, you know? And I recently had a vasectomy and I took some time off from work. So I was gone for a month, bro. And I, and I try to maintain like my, my physicality and shit. So I'm usually like, what, like 195 to 200 pounds. Big boy. Yeah. Well, not big boy. <laughs> but I mean, shit, I've, I think my, at my best, I've always been like 185 or not always, but my best, I was so fighting like I, weight. Is yeah, 185. And, and, and now I'm like, well, my, my better weight is like 195 to 200. And during that month off, I ballooned to like 212, bro. So now just now back to work, back to eating better, back to no drinking. I'm back down to like 200, 205. So I, I've still got work to do to get back to that. It's not bad though. But I feel heavier. And I feel like if you do, if like the lack of discipline in this industry and in this current uh, scenario with the pandemic and the quarantine. Well, the the lack of um, routine too. Yeah, it, you t- get, it knocks you off your spot. Yeah. And you start just like, oh, I can just eat this or drink a little more of that or lay in bed for an extra hour. That all adds up. It's a crazy industry work and I'm fucking stoked and honored and privileged to be in this industry where I get an opportunity with my partner, Kevin, and the people that back us to have an operated brewery, you know, but it comes with a lot of responsibility. Shit, I couldn't imagine, man. God, it comes with a lot imagine. of responsibility. So I do my best not to drink. You, look at you. Wait, 38, 39? 38 this Friday, October 9th. this Friday, finish cumpleaños. You've done a stellar job. I Thank feel you. like you, you take care of yourself. You also have those goals. You have you have those priorities. Your priority, obviously, is making sure, one, your family's taken care of, and two, South Norte. Quality You're of pushing beer. pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. Yep. Fuck. What else you got for me? I think that's about it, man. Just check out South Norte on Instagram, South Norte, at South Norte. Um, we've got some cool things coming up. Pint night over at Eureka Burger, SDSU. Is that the, the is, first time I've had a pint night, I think, in a year and a half. Mm, things like, are getting back to normal? Are, well, it's not so much the... Okay, before COVID, we were just sitting there spinning our wheels because we were owned by Coronado. No offense to them, but they were busy folks on Coronado. They didn't, they didn't have the funds or the people to do this. So we were sitting there waiting, kind of like, okay, what's going on? No salespeople. All the salespeople from, from South North. Who's your were, salesperson right now? Uh, uh, Brianne Hill and me. Yeah, we had Nick Gallo, who was, you know, South That's North. right. And he, he was flown all the way out from Arizona to just start working for South Norte. They did that for not even a year. And they said, oh, we got to cut you from South Norte. You got to do strictly sales for Coronado. So that's what he's doing now? No, he quit Coronado a few months ago. Now he's working for the government. Oh, Lord. Mm. I did talk to him. That's right. He was telling me he was going to do no, he's a happy. He's border good. patrol or something. No, I don't think he's doing that. No? Customs? <laughs> he's in an office. Police? He's in the office. I don't think he's doing <laughs> he the was field doing some stuff. Shit. But it's just been a, a crazy long two and a half years of trying to figure out who we are, what we're going to do. And now we're kind of seeing that light. The direction's there. We're selling more beer. We're working with the distributor better. And it's been good. 2021, the year, the year of South Norte, hopefully. The year of all brewing. Uh, everyone, yeah. We, we, need, we, need a, we need a break. I appreciate you for everything no, you do you. for us. For everything you do for us as a company. For everything you do for us as a buddy, as a friend, as a mentor. For everything you do for this industry, man. I mean, you've done a lot. Yeah, sharing knowledge is very important to me. I mean, obviously. You, you, you're killing it in that aspect. You're killing it in the quality of beer. Anytime you help us out with the beer, I feel comfortable saying, like, this is fucking Brooks approved. I have no issue putting this out. Let's make it happen. Thank you, man. My local brewery. I love supporting it. I love it. Love you guys. We love you. It's awesome. Are we going to hug and we're going to kiss? Maybe. Well, COVID, bro. Six feet. Come on. (laughs) Brooks. 
Thank you, brother. I appreciate having you in here. Finally, bro. I know I've been up your ass about like, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. I can't fucking do it because, you know, like I'm very busy. And stuff. I got a lot of things. But thank you, bro, for taking the time no, out of the busy guys. schedule and meeting with me. I appreciate you, man. Chew. That is a wrap. Thank you for listening to another episode of Emo Brown, the saddest Mexican podcast. Make sure to give us a follow on Instagram at Emo Brown. Pay our website a visit, emobrown.com. That's where you can find access to all of our episodes, information on how to join the Patreon, Emo Brown, the social club, as well as pick up all of our merch, hats, shirt, patches, masks, todo el pelo. As always, our episodes are brought to you by the wonderful people at the Miso Healthy Company, award-winning, true, full-spectrum CBD, grown in California and sold worldwide. Lolita's Mexican Food. Patience is the essence of fine Mexican food located all throughout the San Diego County, specifically near dear home, Chula Vista, Balboa Avenue Dispensary for all your medicinal or recreational cannabis needs. Follow them, the Balboa Avenue Dispensary. Thank you very much. If you ever want to reach us, leave us a message, ask a question, share a thought, or just say hello, give us a call. 619-728-9300. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon. Ahí viene este miro, si me traes bro.